We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We mentioned one of the, one of the big names out there. The reports are out there that the Cardinals are going to try and trade DeAndre Hopkins, their star-wide receiver. Um, and some of that is he's looking for a new contract, and some of that is, I mean, he has had some injury issues. Um, so to go ahead and talk about this, we're going to welcome on of Arizona Sports 98.7 FM in Phoenix, Arizona, on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Paul Calvisi joins us. Paul, welcome to the show. Hey, Nick and Dustin, how we doing? Doing all right, Good, man. Paul, thanks for coming. Uh, on. Hope you're doing well as well. Uh, so in, in terms of the uh, DeAndre Hopkins scuttlebutt, I did want to ask you: Why are the Cards looking to move on from DeAndre Hopkins? Well, that's a great question, and I never expected to be fielding this question, even as as recently as a month ago. But considering the direction the Cardinals' season went, which you weren't following, and you didn't see hard knocks, they went four and thirteen, and just wrapped up a stretch of games where ever since they started seven and zero, ten and two last year, guys, they've lost eighteen of the last twenty three. So change was needed. Change was enacted on Monday. Cliff Kingsbury will not be back. The GM, Steve Time will not be back. And here's the thing. Diop hasn't been a big part of this team in a lot of ways, especially this season. We know he had the PED suspension, right? And he missed the first six games. And he missed the last two games of the year. He's missed 15 games over the last two years as an Arizona Cardinal, where over his first eight years in the league, he missed all of two games. So can you live without DeAndre Hopkins? Uh, well, they've been forced to, especially this season. Can you afford on DeAndre Hopkins? And what will be a $30 million cap hit? That's his number for next year. Even if he's traded or released, it's nearly $23 million in dead money. And everyone figures he's going to want a new deal because he doesn't have any guaranteed money going forward. So there's just a lot of things that sort of come to one conclusion. Might be a good time to part ways, especially if the Cardinals are in somewhat of a rebuild, and I say somewhat because it's based on Kyler Murray and what's his return, and of course he has the torn ACL. And guess what? The feeling might be mutual because it didn't seem that D-Hop had all that much of an inclination to really want to play for either David Blau or Trace McSorley down the stretch. Paul, the Browns don't have a ton of assets, of course, um, after they've given them all to the Houston Texans pretty much. But uh, what do you think the market is for Hopkins if, if somebody wanted to, to trade for him? And that's the latest debate around here. Um, I know a lot of people are saying at least a round two. Honestly, guys, if if the Cardinals gave up a round one last year for Hollywood Brown and they did, I think absolutely they're looking for a first-round pick. I, I know DeAndre Hopkins is 30. He's going to be 31 this season. 
but you're still talking about a top five receiver in the league. I mean, when, when he was healthy, I mean, he was still their leading receiver despite missing, what, eight games this year? So, I, I, I mean, he's phenomenal. And I don't know if you saw any of the hard knocks, just the reverence that Bill Belichick came over and was talking with D-Hop and the respect he has for DeAndre Hopkins' game. Um, you know, so I never thought I'd say, after covering Larry Fitzgerald's entire career, that anyone had hands on par with Fitz. But you watch some of the catches by DeAndre Hopkins, it's just mind-bending. And it's sort of like Larry. It's the stuff you see in training camp. It's the stuff you see at practice, just some of the catches. Um, and what he's able to do, uh, it's – I mean, guys, we, we've seen what teams have paid for a legit number one receiver, so I, I think there will be enough competition for DeAndre Hopkins. The Cardinals can realistically start the asking price at a first-round pick. Paul, when it comes to the head coaching job there, they just let go of Cliff Kingsbury. Is there a presumed favorite for this job? Uh, I tell you who the fans want. Fans want Sean Payton. There, there's no doubt about it. Now, I, I consider a long shot, number one, what sort of money is he going to command? Already he has leverage in the marketplace, right? He has at least three teams coming after him. Um, what's it going to take to pry him away from the Saints? You, know, you you talk about a first-round pick. Most think it's going to be at least a first-round pick in New Orleans for Sean Payton. And then what sort of control is Sean Payton going to want? So I consider the long shot um, in terms of Sean Payton coming to the Cardinals. Now, he's gone on some uh, media outlets, and he's talked about how he has a connection with the Cardinals back in their St. Louis days and he, all this. So he's had affinity for the team, and he reportedly has done a lot of homework on the Cardinals. So we'll see. The Cardinals have requested permission, reportedly, to speak with him. He can't do any formal interviews until January 17th. I guess his first one is going to be with the Denver Broncos. Do they even let him out of the building? You know, with all that money they have now with ownership, I, I don't know. But uh, right now, the Cardinals, uh, most of their focus is on the GM spot. There's six different candidates out there. They've requested permission to interview and or in the process of interviewing. And in terms of head coach, you know, there hasn't D'Amico Ryan's name was reported today as someone the Cardinals reached out to and requested permission from the Niners, their defensive coordinator. But other than that, there hasn't been anything official as to who they're targeting as a head coach. And most figure that Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator and internal candidate, he, he will get an interview and, and most think he has a pretty good shot. Where do you think Cliff Kingsbury ends up? It's a great question. Um, First off, I'll say this. Uh, he, I mean, I've been doing this a long time. I go back to when I was in a, an intern at KPIX-TV in San Francisco, and they used to send me out there, and I was in the media scrums with Bill Walsh. Okay, so I've been doing this long enough, and Cliff Kingsbury is just one of the best guys and human beings that we've come across in a long time. We did his TV show every week, win or lose. He was always gracious. He fielded every question. Great guy. Uh, had a, just a lot of stuff go against his team this year. Uh, I could see him easily being an offensive coordinator with a team next year. I don't think he's going back to college. He would joke with the media, and he would tell us off the record he has no desire to go back to the college game and deal with all the recruiting and everything else that goes with basically you know, babysitting kids. He very much likes the NFL lifestyle and, and coaching men. Um, but it was interesting, if you see hard knocks, after the Cardinals lose to the Patriots, and Belichick and Kingsbury had a moment at midfield, and Belichick said, I'll call you. There are a lot of people in New England who think that Cliff Kingsbury, once upon a time, a six-round rookie quarterback for Bill Belichick circa 2003, I think, that those two reunite with the Patriots definitely need an infusion of something on offense, and 
and you could see Cliff Kingsbury as Bill Belichick's offensive coordinator next year. Paul, we got about forty-five seconds here, bud. Uh, there were there were the dynamics of Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, and and you know uh, Kyler maybe yelling at Cliff uh, on the sidelines. But in terms of schematically, how was you know how did you guys or what did you guys think of Cliff Kingsbury's approach and scheme offensively? When they were at their best, guys, and it's a valid question. It's a great question. When they were seven and zero, ten and two last year, they were a balanced offense. They were running the ball. They went to the Super Bowl champion Rams last season and ran for over 200 yards and absolutely jack-stomped the Rams in their building. When they got away from the run and they threw it 40-plus times a game, that's where they weren't nearly as effective. So if there's one lesson or takeaway, it's you still need to have that balanced offense. You still need to have a quarterback under center in the power run game. The question is how much did Kyler resist some of that? That answer we'll never know. Follow this man on the Twitters, at Paul Calvisi. He is Paul Calvisi, Arizona Sports 98.7 FM in Phoenix. Paul, great stuff, man. Really do appreciate you, bud. Absolutely, guys. Have a great week. The great Pete Futek, College Football News. What's up, buddy? What's happening with you guys? How's it going? Oh, oh, just just peachy. I mean, we're not – our offseason isn't as fortunate as your offseason. Like, college sure. football, once college football, the national champion's over, I feel like you get, like, you get a couple months to, to down low. We're already talking about the Browns in 2023, buddy. Yeah, my, my family still wants to eat, so I do have to do some <laughs> stuff. Uh, I mean, I have to feed these people, unfortunately. But So needy. Yeah, it is a different animal. It, it, it's, uh, it, it's not the same. It's – yeah, obviously, and, and even this off season is it's different now because first of all, as it turned out, I think we were the only three people who actually watched the national championship. <laughs> uh, like nobody watched that thing, and nobody certainly tuned in after halftime. Uh, and then the off season, you know, used to be like there's a rhythm to it where, uh, all right, so you have a uh, yeah, we try to figure out you know who's the who are the top teams for next year. What's this? And it's impossible to do with a transfer portal world. So. There's no point in really trying to figure out who the top teams are. So it's a little bit different of a situation now. You know, with with what you just said there, I do think that's interesting, the the blowout in the national title game, because we immediately went back to the same old things. Oh, TCU didn't even uh, deserve to be in. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, which, which, by the way, I understand the point. They're also wrong. Winning a conference championship should mean something. But do you think, because once we expand to 12 teams here, it, it's not. It's only going to be easier to let teams like TCU, who some people thought didn't believe, but could it influence? Could like blowouts for like the Big Twelve or the Pac Twelve or the ACC teams? Do you think that that could actually impact playoff seeding going forward? Uh, a little bit. I mean, the weirder part about that is it's an, it was a much easier case to make for TCU than it was for Ohio State. So like it's. There were. That's the problem with four. It'll be okay with twelve. I hope it's not sixteen. Uh, but they had to be in. I mean, like they're they're one of only three teams that uh, won twelve games. I look. I I would argue yes on a four best team theory. We can talk all day about you know. Oh well, Alabama, of course. But you know, people forget Alabama needed a stop to you know late stop to get by Texas A and M. They should have lost to Texas. They struggled against Arkansas. They they were not that amazing throughout the year. So it's you kind of you yeah you got to put TCU in now Michigan didn't have to choke I mean that's kind of how this has all worked okay Cincinnati here you get to you know have a get, you know get away from the kids table you get to sit with the adults now and then here you go and now go back you know so that's we've learned that with the Michigan states and 
Notre Dame a couple times and Washington. But usually then you don't have the, the, the win that TCU came up with. So that kind of changed this whole narrative because, look, if it's Michigan, uh, Georgia, Georgia still wins, but you certainly get a whole lot more eyeballs on it. You know, going into next year, you know, Stetson Bennett wins back-to-back national championships. Uh, I, I don't know who's, who's going to be the answer for Georgia quarterback. I know they've got a few guys there that'll be in competition. But, like, is Georgia the team to beat now? Is this going to be a dynasty? Yeah, I don't really buy into that. Um, first of all, a couple of things. The, the narrative quickly changed because last year, it might have been almost exactly last year, I was there. I, I saw JT Daniels warming up on the sidelines in the middle of the third quarter. Stetson Bennett was awful. He was <laughs> awful in the national championship against Alabama. And then he came out and was like, oh, you've got to do something to get this offense moving because he can't do it. And then he came out and boom, boom. He hit two big throws. And all of a sudden, they score off it. They get the big stop by the D. And, all, and now he's a legend. And he was just rolling ever since. So that part of the narrative is always kind of weird. And the other part that's kind of weird is, you know, it's, look, it happens. The guy missed the kick. But if old Ruggles puts that thing straight, there's no dynasty. Georgia's a footnote. And, look, you know, Georgia's good. So is Alabama. Tennessee's going to be even better. Florida's going to be better. You know, South Carolina's rising up. LSU is becoming a thing. You know, Mississippi and Mississippi State are dangerous. Certainly, you know, Texas A&M's got that talent where they can be dangerous. So, like, it was just Georgia's turn. Next year, it's probably Alabama's turn. You know, so it's, it's not something that, oh, well, they're obviously the number one team going into next year. Nah, not really. Pete, is Jim Harbaugh using the NFL to get more Michigan money, or is Jim Harbaugh using Michigan to get more NFL interest? No, I don't think any of the above. I, the, the people I know, I know someone who really is good friends with Harbaugh, he just likes to do this. He, this <laughs> is just who he is, and it's, he's got the ability to, the strange ability, you, you know how college sports work where you cannot ever say, oh, I'm leaving for another job because, oh, my God, they're recruiting. Well, in the transfer portal world, it doesn't really matter anymore. He just likes to, you know, flirt with all these other teams and hear all the options and, you know, see what's going on out there. Maybe he wants to go back to the NFL. Maybe he doesn't. But uh, I don't think it's really he's really angling for anything here. I just think he kind of wants to find out all his job options, which is, you know, for as kooky as everyone thinks Harbaugh is, is probably the most normal thing you can possibly do in any kind of sort of employment situation. So uh, I think he's coming back. I think he's just kind of exploring this. Pete, let's get to the big news of the day. Um, Is the timing of the Kevin Warren news that he's going to leave the Big Ten commissioner post for the CEO of the Bears job, is the timing of this news good or bad for the Big Ten? Uh, Fine. Doesn't matter. Look, everything's going in play. I know there's different narratives when it comes to Kevin Warren. I kind of take the narrative of, like, guy came in, $7 $7 billion deal now for media rights for the Big Ten. It is, it, for all the, oh, at SEC, it just matters more and stuff. Uh-uh. Big Ten's the biggest business bad boy on the block when it comes to conferences by a mile. So got the humongous TV deal, media deal, and he got USC, UCLA. Like, even in the wackiest of expansion scenarios, there's no way you're getting USC and UCLA and locking up the Los Angeles market. And somehow the Big Ten was able to do that under his watch. So, like you mentioned in your opening there, and you, you kind of mentioned this, where, yeah, of course, he is kind of seen as the next person up for the NFL commissioner's job. Doesn't mean it's a lock, but he's certainly on the fast track there. 
Chicago, they're they're looking, they're putting in this new uh, stadium outside in the suburbs. Thank God, because Soldier Field's the most brutal place to try to get to uh, easily. Um, and so you've got the big stadium deal. You've got all the different rights, and this is a, this is traditionally a franchise that just doesn't monetize itself all that well. It does not go the Jerry Jones route of having you know all these different crazy you know big giant corporate deals. It's it's really is literally a mom and pop organization, and getting a guy like Warren to come in kind of kickstarts that a little bit faster. How does this impact the Big Ten in the intermediate? And are there? Do we know if there are any known candidates for the job? There aren't, but I would I, I would actually make the argument that obviously NFL commissioner, uh, NBA commissioner, uh, to a certain extent, the commissioner of baseball, but not really business wise. Being the commissioner of the Big Ten is about is it's right up there. It's you're going to be able to attract the one of the most talented people out there from any walk of life, any sort of CEO, any sort of you know business person who can come in because there's a lot happening here. You're, you've got first of all, you've got this deal in place, so your media rights are pretty much set. You've got UCLA cleared the hurdles with the state, so you've got USC UCLA coming in. And then you still have more to do. I mean, you still have more markets to go get. I still think they're, you know, they should figure out some sort of way. They would, in their dream world, the Big Ten gets North Carolina. That's kind of the untapped potential area they'd love to get. I still, you know, think you go after an Arizona, Arizona State, Tempe, you know, the Phoenix area is the sixth largest media market in the country. Maybe Seattle, that area, University of Washington. There's still a lot of big business things to have happen here. And I know we always like to talk, okay, football and the sports side of this. Business-wise, the Big Ten is an absolute monster. Pete, can you see any more realignment happening before um, next season, this offseason? I don't know how the Pac-12 hasn't done it already. Like, you got to do something at this point. Because it, I, I've said all along, that the perfect fit for the uh, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, by the way, when it comes to you know all the you know the research uh, qualities and everything that they want, having the university of a state, Kansas makes a whole lot of sense. And we you know forget the football side and the sports side of this. You know, obviously basketball is great, but just having the kind of that sort of part of the country to add to the mix, that's something the Pac-12 needs to do, or at least think about. I've said all along, also see what Notre Dame wants. You know, in Notre Dame's a national university, see if they want to be there. And if you are the Pac-12, the southernmost California school cannot be Stanford. you got to find something else out there. San Diego State doesn't necessarily – it's not obvious. You can't replace USC, UCLA, but you can moneyball your way a little bit here. You know, you can't replace Giambi, but maybe you get UNLV because the Pac-12 wants to be in Las Vegas anyway. You get San Diego State. You think about a Fresno State, and you just you, you got to start acquiring more properties, and then you have to lock in what you have because the Pac-12 it cannot afford to lose Arizona, Arizona State, Oregon, or Washington, and those are going to be all ripe for the picking. Which conference is most likely to strike first in the next round of conference realignment between the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, and the SEC? Well, the Big Twelve's trying. The Big 12 is a Big 10 does everything really quietly. Like the USC, even everyone who knows all this stuff, all the insights, nobody saw USC, UCLA. That was, they kept their, everyone kept so tight lipped on this. There was nothing, not even a rumor out there. You ever kind of knew Nebraska was coming and, you know, the Maryland thing was kind of on the table and all, but nothing when it came to USC, uh, UCLA. 
Big 12's out there shouting, hey, what's it, Glenn? We're open for business. <laughs> they're they're actively pinging, you know, a play. They would love to somehow get Utah and Colorado and Arizona and Arizona State. I, I don't know if they have the media markets. I don't know if they're going to be able to make the media deals. Because the Pac-12, what it still has going for it, even without USC and UCLA, they still have really, really large media markets, which either makes them really attractive for some other schools to potentially jump in, or it makes them absolutely, you know, absolute whales for other conferences. I've nothing's crazy now because of Kevin Warren, because of what the Big Ten did. If you can get USC and UCLA, and you can be a national conference, what's stopping the SEC from saying, you know what? We want Phoenix, Arizona. We're going to get Arizona State. We want Seattle. We want to be a national conference. You know, so there, there's going to be a lot of stuff happening. It's just very, very quiet right now. Pete, we're going to have to get you to to try and weigh in on a uh, a dispute between Dustin and I. He yep. got uh, he got some food the other day, and when they handed him the bag, they said, "Oh, hey, we're out of lettuce. Sorry." And he was very upset by this. And that this begat a conversation. Is lettuce a required topping for a taco? Well, considering I'm trying to drop the football season 15 and my life completely revolves around the product at the immediate moment, yeah, and I would actually go a step further in the full lettuce cup taco. So, yeah, I'd be grouchy. Whenever you you order something and you don't get part of it, you know, yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'll, I'll, you ordered it, delivering what I ordered. I'm Pete, with you. Lettuce Pete, is a required you, Pete. Topic. Pete, you know, you know, lettuce on a taco is a lie, right? You're not dropping the lbs with 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 the lettuce on the taco. No, but lettuce belongs on a taco. I, no, that's not was his thing. Was it was about weight, weight loss? Uh, Pete, I am the I'm the wrong guy to talk to because I'm dropping the shell. That's where we're going with this. Is I, so I am the wrong guy. But yes, I am a believer that. You know, I'm, I'm actually the flip side of this. If I say no cilantro, I demand no cilantro. And if I and I fifty fifty call whether I'm getting that evil weed on my taco or not. So I, I, I'm I'm with you. If you get if you get my my taco order wrong, yeah, there's, there's hell's coming to breakfast there for someone. Pete, great stuff, buddy. Thanks for all your help during college football season. Have a good one, you too. Thanks, buddy. Good man. The SEC's real. The SEC oh, yeah. could really really put a and not not listen there's nothing the sec can do that's gonna shift the balance of power here but you're playing a game right now which is i'm gonna look at all the big markets and if that's gonna be the goal lock them down because the longer the longer it gets out there look at look listen you could have been going after texas and ou and it took the ingenuity of greg sankey the sec commissioner and the stones to pull that off. So I, I'm rooting. I, this has kind of become like my favorite offseason thing. Is just, just watching these these teams flock to other conferences. Yeah. The re- realignment. Like when I was in ACC country, I told uh, – my big thing was you need to go to the Big 12 – or you need to go to Pac-12 before that somebody raids you, and you need to propose a super conference, Right. So you yeah. take your 12 teams, their 12 teams, and that's your conference. Or 10 teams and 12 teams, and that's your conference. And they didn't do that. And then we just saw, obviously, the the, the Pac-12 lose UCLA in USC. Now, it wouldn't matter. Now, I mean, without, without the LA market, without those two teams specifically, okay. Now it doesn't make sense for the ACC. But again, that's uh, the people who are sitting around Dusty and waiting – are going to be the ones that are out of a job in about three to five years and are going to be without a conference in three to five years. 
Yeah, I mean, it depends on, on what schools you're talking about. I mean, we talking about some of the higher tier ACC schools. We, we talking about like some of the good. We talking about Oregon. We talking about Washington. Oh, no, I was more talking about just, conferences, just the conference. Like how? Okay. Yeah, like I think it's I think it's really likely the Pac-12 doesn't exist in five years. I don't think that's likely of the Big 12 or the ACC. But there's going to be an ACC run here. The Big 10 and the SEC are going to look at North Carolina, Virginia, Virginia Tech, uh, probably Miami because of that market. I think that just makes sense if you're the Big 10 to try and – if you're going for markets, how much bigger markets are there than Miami? And it gets you, it keeps you in Florida. So, yeah, uh, Florida State, like, yeah, I, I think – I think both. I think those two conferences should be scared bleepless as I bleep myself again on air <laughs> uh, about that. Now, now as the Big Ten, as Kevin Warren takes his victory lap here, uh, we have 19 minutes left on this poll at Dustin Fox 37. Do you think it's too early for me to take my victory lap? Uh, do I think it's too? Early? No, yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, because only won it by two percent. Well, no, 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 nay, nay, nay. nay. I won this by almost 5%. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.